This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Before we get started, I just wanted to share a few words about my new book, All in the Same Boat. Pre-orders opened on March 15th and sales have been incredible. Thank you to all of my listeners. We will stay in pre-sales for about two months until the book is finally ready to be released to the public. For those of you who ordered a book during the pre-sales period, you'll get a signed copy of the book, plus be eligible for a number of prizes. I've decided that I'm going to uh, do something kind of neat and special. I'll be drawing names during the live book launch and giving away a number of interesting prizes. I'll be sharing what those prizes are in a future episode, but you don't want to miss out on this opportunity to be the first in the world to get this new leadership book. I guarantee this will be the most interesting book you will read in 2021. So pause this podcast and go to allinthesameboatbook.com and get your copy today to be eligible for the prizes I will be giving away on the book launch. Thank you again for supporting this book launch and supporting the show. As a reminder, the best way to support the show is to visit my sponsors, bottomguncoffee.com and iHaveTheWatch.com. Both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Dr. Holly Selinger. She is a leadership speaker, trainer, and consultant here in North Carolina. We spoke about a number of leadership topics, but we focused on one that is vitally important for leaders, creating your own internal board of directors. What is that, and how do you do it? Well, listen in and find out. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Holly Sullinger. Holly is an award-winning speaker, corporate trainer, and leadership consultant here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. She helps companies get the most from their teams through speaking, training, and workshops. She recently wrote about a subject I think is critical for all leaders. The topic is creating your own internal board of directors. I've learned in my career that if you want to be a successful leader, you can't do it alone. I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about this important subject. So, Holly, welcome. Thank you so much, John. I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to have you on the show uh, and talk about this interesting topic. So, but first of all, I want to talk a little bit about um, 
what you do. I mean, what do you do as a speaker, corporate trainer, leader, leadership consultant? Like, what do you do for a living? Tell That's us about that. That's a good that. question. That's a good. I have spent my entire adult life doing what we refer to as continuing professional education, and and we all know this in in companies, big, small, and in between. From the leaders all the way down to you know the the people that keep things running, we all have to keep our knowledge current. We have to stay relevant, and that's where I come in. So I started out um, in the early days doing a lot of technology training. Mm. I was um, one of my very first college degrees, and I, I have five. I'm a psychotic. <laughs> I love learning, uh, but one of my 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 very first degree was in computer programming, and at oh, the wow. time. Um, that was new for everybody, and I was known for my ability to communicate really complicated topics. So that's kind of how my career kicked off. Um, and then since then, I've just I've been very fortunate. I I am never bored. I go into different <laughs> companies every day, and and I work with them on very different topics every single time I touch them. So it's fun. That's great. So what what are the kind of companies that seek you out? So I I, I work pretty much with very large companies for the most part. Um, some of my uh, clients here in North Carolina include Blue Cross Blue Shield and oh, Pepsi. Um, and there are many, many others. Um, and I, again, I work with some medium-sized companies and every once in a while some smaller companies, but pretty much the large ones um, are really interested. And, and, and a lot of times it's because they have a, an initiative to keep people current and to mm. keep that learning and development um, opportunity open for everybody in the organization. I know, for example, Blue Cross, and I can't brag on them enough, they have Blue University over in Durham. And employees can get their four-year degree or their, oh, their wow. master's or whatever through Blue Cross. Um, so they'll pull in people and they'll have classes there, of course, pre-COVID. Um, but uh, yeah. they also have then the continuing professional education opportunities that people need at every single level of the organization. Hmm. So it's interesting. So these companies are clearly investing in their people through education, training, development, right? Yes. Yes. Very mm -hmm. highly interested. Um, one of the interesting things I tell people when I'm networking or meeting somebody for the first time, uh, people kind of look at me like, okay, yeah, continue. Experts tell us, studies tell us that when we get a college degree, that college degree only lasts us about five years mm. in, in industry. And after five years, it's outdated, it's old, it, it needs to be retooled. Mm. And so um, if we know that our knowledge needs to be constantly honed like that, it's really smart for organizations who want to stay at the top of their game, who want to stay competitive to pour that investment into their employees. Okay. That sounds good. I mean, it's good to see that these companies are investing in their people because I think that's um, sometimes one of the biggest complaints of employees is that I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not being developed. I'm not being trained. I, I've got the same job I've had for 20 years, right? There's no uh, opportunity for advancement. So it's good to hear that there are companies that are still, you know, believe in the employee and believe in the development. Do you feel like um, they are just outsourcing that or, or do they feel really passionate about it so they, they, they bring an expert in? In other words, do they say, well, um, I don't have time for this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire you, Holly, to do the work? Or is it that they, um, they say, you know, I really want an expert. I'm not an expert in this particular topic. I'm going to bring an expert in. Yeah, it's really interesting. So um, as an example, I'll brag on Blue Cross again. They'll use internal people. If they have mm. experts in-house, they will use their own people. Um, and then they'll outsource when they need to have some extra help from the community, some people to bring in some topics where they're subject matter experts. 
right. um, and help their employees um, come on board. It's also real important. I mean, I love these companies. All the people that I work with are very forward thinking, um, but different learners come to the training experience with different experience, uh, you know, different expectations, sorry. Right, right. So they have to make sure that they are pulling people in who can meet those expectations as well. You, you all know this, um, everybody out there knows this. You can sit in a training experience and not get a thing out of it. Right. And leave. And it was a waste of time. It was a waste of money. You're worried because you missed the work in the process, right? You're going to make that up. Um, so it's really important for them, whether it's an internal or an external person who helps with this to get the right person in the slot. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And, you, you know, you being a trainer, being an instructor, being a teacher, speaker, how do you keep it interesting for uh, these employees who some may say, oh, I got to go to mandatory training or uh, some may not be 100 percent interested in, 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 you know, sitting through a training session because, well, I'm used to answering the phones and now I got to go sit in the training class. How do you make it interesting for these employees and when they're kind of out of their element and they might, might be watching it even on a Zoom right now, a Zoom training? How do you keep it interesting? Well, I'm, I'm my own harshest critic. Um, so I, you know, I know what it's like to sit in on a training where I'm not connecting with the knowledge or the person imparting it. Mm. And so I challenge myself. Every, I don't care how many times I've worked with a particular topic. I challenge myself every time I go in there to bring something new, something unusual. Um, oftentimes, I'll start out with some something that's almost shocking. Uh, mm. um, and then I have a lot of, if I'm doing technology training, I do a lot of tips and tricks. Um, but regardless, technology, leadership, professional development, I, everything that I do is interactive. I totally mm. believe that adults want to share, too, in the, in right. the learning environment. Right, right. Yeah. And, and how do you find it um, in the Zoom world right now with COVID uh, getting that participation? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, initially, it was very challenging. People were almost afraid of the right. virtual environment. And you saw a lot of black boxes. Um, I've learned I have to set expectations. So I have a slide that's the the like the very first slide that I show that says to, in order for everybody to have a great experience, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And I talk about leaving the camera on and making sure that you unmute when you have questions. Mm. But use your voice. Um, use your chat if you're not feeling comfortable using your voice. You know, I try to encourage it. And the groups that do involve themselves, that do interact, get way more out of the learning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of, in a way, fun. I've done a lot of training and uh, given a lot of talks on Zoom. And I think it's kind of fun to have the chat box because uh, you can actually see people in real time thinking thoughts, you know, or reacting to your. And so you can kind of reach back and, and, and go over those issues. It's something you don't get in a live event. So you actually as a speaker, get to see a little bit of kind of what people are, how people are, uh, how they're, you know, absorbing the message, right? And they're thinking through right. it and, and then they instantly have a question. It was kind of an interesting, um, something you don't get uh, in a normal lecture. So I, in a way, there's some nice things about it. And in a way, there's other, like you said, the black boxes and you're like, is there somebody there? Is there someone there? <laughs> I also like it when people who are chatting start to assist each other. Yes, because that, yeah. makes, that makes everybody feel good. Like everybody has something to, to contribute. So yeah, I see that um, a lot. Whether they're verbally assisting or chatting with each other. I'm like, that's awesome. You yeah, know? yeah. I think too, a part of it too is I think part, it's good for the introverts sometimes because when you're giving a public, when you're teaching in public or, or giving a talk, uh, the introverts are typically quiet. They don't ask questions or what have you. And the chat is a little bit... Um, 
people are used to it. They're used to texting and, and it's, and it's a comfortable feeling and they can, and they can step outside their comfort zone a little easier than standing up and saying, I have a question for you, you know? So. And, yeah. and because they're better listeners and they truly are oftentimes yes. when they do chat something, it's really crucial. It's really yes. good information. Yeah. I'm glad you say that. I, I, one of the things I talk about in my books is always uh, as a leader is making sure you listen to the quietest person in the room. I think that's one of the things, one of the things I've learned over my career is that person is usually listening and thinking versus the people that are expressing themselves verbally. And uh, if you can make sure to call on that quiet person, usually they have an amazing idea that they've been thinking about why everybody else has been talking. And so <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, that uh, leaders who listen, I think, have way more success with their teams than leaders who don't. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I agree entirely. Yeah. So let, let's uh, switch gears over to the topic I want to talk to you about, because I think it's really interesting. And that is the idea of creating an internal board of directors. So what is that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I, I ran across this. This has been several years ago when I was starting work on my PhD program. I was fortunate enough for a class, I had to go and interview one of the very first female leaders in our university system here in North Carolina. Oh, wow. And she was absolutely amazing. Just this little petite, dainty, very Southern woman who had risen to the top very quickly and who had managed to stay there for a lot of years. And at the time I was talking to her, She'd retired years before, but she was still she still had a professor emeritus chair hmm. uh, at the college. And so um, I listened to her. I asked a lot of questions about her past, and I listened to all the different trials and tribulations and challenges that she'd gone through. And I finally just stopped her and I said, I said Pat, wait, wait just a minute. I said, how in the world did you succeed? I, it, it's you're, you're telling me about all these challenges. And I said, it sounds like a horrible life to me, but you managed <laughs> to succeed and get past all that. How did you do it? And she said, she pulled herself up and she was so beautiful. She said, why, Holly, I owe it all to my internal board of directors in, in her <laughs> Southern own there. And if I, if I mangled the Southern, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I said, I said, internal, Pat, what are you talking about internal board of directors? I said, your friends, your issues. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, her mother had taught her from the time that she was a small child that you are never enough as a human being. Mm. One person can't do everything. Mm. And so it's better to learn at an early age to make use of the people around you, to involve them, to include them. Not only does that help you, it helps them as well. Right. So she learned that if she had a shortcoming in an area or if she wasn't comfortable in an area, she learned to go and find somebody who was and ask them for information and ask them for help or ask them to do whatever she needed to have done. And then she would, of course, return the favor if she could in the future. Mm. And she said that over the years, she learned to, and here's the key word, intentionally think this through. Mm. When she became a career woman, she learned that there were a certain number of people she always wanted to have around her. Mm. Um, even if they were a phone call away, right? Even if she had to pick up the phone. Um, and she came up with a list of people that she knew she needed to have that type of person around her at all times. And it worked for her. Mm. It helped her propel to success. And then, of course, when you are doing that, other people begin to see that you're a giver as well. And they use you as well. So it propels everybody. Mm. Like everybody, you know, the rising tide, everybody gets pulled up, which is fantastic. That's fantastic. That's really good. You know, I like what you said there. I think it's great to recognize that leaders can't do this alone. I think that, um, you know, I always say that leadership is a people business and it's about 
it's not just about the people getting things done, but it's also who leaders surround themselves with, right? So they need to be surrounded by the right people that can give them the advice or support that they need to get through a particular area. When we think that we can do it all by ourselves as a leader, that's when we're going to fail, right? We're only as good as our own, you know, limited belief system and limited experiences. We do need to have others around us to be able to teach us, show us, support us, give us advice. And I like what you said, then the favor gets returned and your expertise could be used by somebody else. So I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of benefit to, to that. So, um, so, so how do you build an internal board of directors like this? How do you start? I mean, where do you even begin? If you say, you know what, I, I like what uh, Holly is saying, but I don't, how do I even get started? Right. So as a leader myself, and as you know, somebody who has my own company, um, I start every year with a set of goals. I, every year I revisit my goals and I recreate goals. And I hope everybody out there is doing that because experts tell us that if you write down your goals and you refer to them frequently, you're 70% likely to achieve them. And that's a high number. So at the same time that I'm working on those goals, I look at those goals and I say to myself, you know, which goals are going to be harder to get to and why? And who could help me get to these goals? Mm-hmm. What, what, it is, what is it maybe that I don't yet have that will allow me to achieve this particular goal? Um, who has this? Who can I go and ask for, for some you know, assistance with this particular expertise? And the one thing that Pat taught me, the woman with the board of directors, she said that she had two types of board members. She had overt members and covert members, mm-hmm. those are her words. And so some people, she would go to them and she would say, I have this informal board of directors that I use and I would like you to be on it. You're really good at, for example, finance. And I would love to be able to come to you when I have a budget question or a really a challenging mm. grant that I need to go for for my organization. And in return, if you have problem areas that I can help with, I'm happy to help with that. And of course, people are very flattered. And yes, I'd be happy to help you. Um, but then there are also the, the covert members. And you don't say a word. You just kind of put them in that spot at your table and uh, when you need them, you give them a call or mm. you, you know, engage them uh, and you're able to use that person's expertise as well. Um, but I try to dovetail that in with my goals because that's mm. why that's the number one reason I would need to kind of pull extra people in. Where does my company need to go? What what areas do I need to work on? Um, mm. And again, I did a keynote earlier this week on innovation, how, how we bring innovation to the workplace as leaders. And you can't be innovative. If you're not, if you don't have the right people around you, if everybody's not pulling in the same direction. So if I need to be more innovative, how can I do that? Who can help me get there? Uh, Maybe I need to tap into somebody who knows more about digital marketing because my gosh, that's where everything is headed now. Right, right. You know, Um, and that's, that's how you do it. And then, you know, I can talk about, there's a few key element type people that we just need to have no matter what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, we talked about when we begin the show before the show. Um, this book right here has been one I really like. It's uh, called Seeds of Seeds of Success by John Brubaker, and it's interesting. John Brubaker was a college lacrosse uh, coach, very successful, and uh, but it, it, this whole book is uh, about his mentor and how his mentor had an uh, internal board of directors that he he used throughout his life uh, to this very issue when he, he struggled with a particular area or he wanted he wanted to bounce ideas off of he had these people in his life um that helped guide him and direct him and uh, it's something that uh john never forgot and he you know put it in this book 
and uh, and each one of the in this in the, it's actually a fictional story based on but it, but it's based on true facts. But in the story, he has a, a pastor, a marine colonel, and a business leader that in the community that he goes to that 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 it basically it's it, he bounces ideas off of and he uses his input and uses their expertise. So. Uh, it's a great book if you're, you know, if anyone's thinking about that idea and that concept to see it, you know, it portrayed in a book format. But um, but it, I, I think that's probably when I saw you talking about the internal board of directors, to me, it clicked because I had read that book and it really had meant a lot to me. So. Yeah, well, it's, um, it, you know, the whole idea, I think a leader is never at any better than their team and vice mm. versa. Mm. And so th- the same idea with the board of directors. Now, again, this is not your team. This is this is your group of people that are there to help you succeed and that you will also help succeed. So there's intentionally specifically chosen people. And you just mentioned one of them. Um, one of her recommendations was that we always have a mentor. Mm. We always have a mentor slash sponsor, somebody who can basically advise us, um, who can help direct our career, somebody who's not directly tied to our business, but perhaps understands it well enough that they can give us some really sound information um, that we can carry with us. Mm. And so, of course, that's that's one type of person. Um, But another type of person, and I think you're this person, is a connector. Mm. We need to have people who can connect us with people that are in other industries, that are in other organizations, um, that are in other entities that we can use to make us more successful. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. So that's uh, because I think your your network, and it's not just your personal network, but your network and those that are the, the other people that you're connected to, there's there's always the solution to your problem always exists within your network or the or or you know plus one beyond that right so it's important to uh, have that connection and have maintain those uh, maintain that network because there's a lot of now uh, oh, I mean if you talk about careers right and, and career development if you're deciding you want to move to a different you know career position your network's going to be really critical for that taking that next step and um you know and it's usually not somebody maybe that's in your network but it's always someone that's associated with that network that you usually end up finding your next opportunity so keeping that network uh going is really important yeah i was really surprised um recently I had a situation where um i helped uh somebody uh who was very prominent in their field uh take on a speaking career and is now doing quite a bit of speaking um, and just wrote a book and published a book. And I'm in the middle of working on a book myself and went to this person and said, who did you use to publish your book? Which is, she's, nice. she's one of my people. And she directed me back to somebody that I had worked with years before that I absolutely value and adore. I had just no idea that they'd gone in a different direction. I love it. So that that circle of everybody helping everybody else. And of course, absolutely, I'm going to take my business to that particular person because I know her I just know her character. I know how mm. she does business and I appreciate it. Um, and so all of that comes together and synergistically helps all of us in effect, be more successful. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by my friends at the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. 
Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge Extremely Strong Coffee to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium certified organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. It's what I drink every day. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffeeCompany.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So one thing, one thing I'm thinking about as you're talking about this um, is for a leader to really go down this path, they have to be self-aware and they have to have a little bit of humility. And, and I see that is probably a challenge for a lot of leaders. Um, and I would say that, you know, part of what gets us to be promoted in the first place or successful in the first place is our, you know, our drive, our can-do attitude, our independence. Uh, look at me, yeah. you know, I can, I can do this. Do, I can, I can lift anything. I can do anything. Um, so, but we need to be able to be self-aware and realize where we have weaknesses to be able to seek out um, other experts. So, uh, talk to a little bit about how, how, to, how do, I mean, how do leaders get to the point where they they can be more self-aware and be more uh, and, and be more humble in their approach to, you know, their expertise? Because I certainly have to do that if you want to seek out others uh, to help you. Yeah, I work with a lot of leaders and this is a, an area that does kind of stop some people short. And I'm going to throw myself under the bus. For a lot of years, I was that leader. <laughs> right, right. I was as well. So <laughs> yeah, and, and it just, you know, I could do anything and just I didn't need any help and all that good stuff. And, and what I've learned, I guess, over watching is that it is so important. The best leaders do admit to their shortcomings. The best mm. leaders do find people to surround themselves with. Um, the ones that are fiercely independent might get to a certain point, but then they're going to get stuck. Mm. And so um, what I normally tell to my people that are having trouble with that is, wouldn't you rather be more successful? Mm, yes. You know, where where yeah. do you want your success to end? Because if you allow other people to help propel you there, you're going to get there a whole lot faster. Yeah. If you look at the numbers, I mean, and again, you know, I sound like the PhD student I was for so long. <laughs> um, but people who have mentors are something like 60 some odd percent more likely to get promoted. They make 50% more than their counterparts. I mean, the numbers are just absolutely huge. Mm, mm. So if you surround yourself with the right people, you are going to get there synergistically a whole lot faster than you can on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John Brubaker, the one that wrote this book, he he's also a leadership coach. And he says, you know, he, being, being that his background comes from sports, he said that great athletes are surrounded by different coaches, right? So you right. have a strength coach, they have a, you know, they have a, you know, if a basketball player has a shooting coach and they have, you know, physical, you know, they have a the dietitian, right? They, they're surrounded by experts, right? 
to help them be the best player they can possibly be on the sports field, right? And so why are leaders any different than, than a, uh, an athlete, right? Why not surround yourself with, with experts in the area and have a mentor, a coach, uh, uh, someone that can help you along the journey that you can bounce ideas off? And, uh, you know, you run your company, I run my company, uh, being the leader of, of a company is a lonely job. <laughs> so Absolutely. you are, you are one person responsible for the financial performance of your company, but also you're responsible for all the people that work for you to make sure that they have a career and they have that they're safe and, you know, and it's, it's a lot of pressure on you. And, um, so, you know, you need to have that support. You need to have um, experts that can help you. You need to have a mentor that can you, someone you can bounce ideas off of. I, um, it's funny, I was running a manufacturing plant in South Carolina and it just so happens there was one individual at that plant that didn't report to me. Everyone else in that building reported to me. He was, he was at my same level, but he, he, he worked in acquisitions. So he did, you know, acquired companies and things, but he just had an office in my plant. And I was so thankful that he was in the building because this was my first manufacturing plant. I was young, 32 years old. And um, it was just great to have one person in the building that didn't work for me because I would just go in his office, shut the door and say, here's what I'm dealing with. And uh, what do you think? And it was just having that extra person there. And that, you know, especially as a new plant manager, that was really, really helpful for me. And so, you know, I just encourage leaders who are listening in on this, if you don't have someone like that, that you can close the door and talk to and, and work out some issues, you need to go find that today, because that's really, really important. That that helped me so much in, you know, transitioning from, you know, I was a department head, you know, I ran a quality department, I ran engineering, but then I when I took on leading an entire manufacturing plant, you know, that's, that's a lot of work. And having that extra person I could talk to was really powerful. That's awesome. That is like a great testimonial for this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have, I have a, she's now become a very close friend that I walk with um, at least once a week. Um, she's the CEO of a very large company. And of course I run my company and Sometimes we're just talking about the weather and children and blah, blah. But oftentimes we'll be like, okay, I really need to tap into you today. You know, mm. let's talk about business for just a moment. Um, and it, it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like hearing a fresh perspective. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think it's super fantastic. Yeah, because it can just be that one little idea, that one little seed, you know, and and we, you know, we, we're limited, right? As, as people, we're just limited in our belief system, our experiences and what have you. And yeah. there's sometimes that one little word, you just, you sparks you to like, I'm moving in this direction. That's a great idea. I didn't even think about that. And, and it's, it's almost like, a, you know, uh, it's like a catalyst to, 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 to get your brain thinking. You just have that little bit of, you know, spark that uh, moves it in a different direction. And for me, at least that's always been powerful, whether it's from coming from, like my connections on uh, outside the company or it's coming from inside the company. Sometimes employees can give you that little spark that you just didn't even think about. And that's really, really exciting when that happens. And I've seen several leaders that have key employees on their internal board of directors. The employees mm. maybe have been with the organization for a long time or who are just are industry powerhouses. They just get the industry. Um, so that's a very cool example as well. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. So we, we also need people who will challenge us as leaders. Mm, yeah. um, as much bad. as we don't like it. That's so I true. <laughs> so, you know, and I say uh, challenging and accountability partners and playing devil's advocacy. 
all of that stuff is annoying as I'll get out. But right. Very important because human beings by our nature, we're, I, I call us rut people. We, we very easily get mm. into the ruts and then we don't kind of have the um, energy or the whatever to get back out of those ruts. And it's usually somebody who comes alongside us and says, why are you doing it that way again? Right, right. Or why aren't we doing this over here that, that oh, oh, let's look at that. You know, that helps right, us get out of right. that rut and keep moving. Right. It's funny. We, we, uh, you call it a rut. I call it comfort zones. We kind of get into these little, okay, I'm comfortable. And I've got my, um, my mental models of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Yes. And you're like, it's, it's cause I, you know, I, you know, I, we're a small company, we can't do this. And, you know, so you're, you're, you've got, you've justified your position and then it takes somebody sometimes to just say, uh, you know, yeah, this, right. you're, <laughs> this isn't working and you need to change. And here's why. And you're like, you don't want to hear that message sometimes. Um, when I was running a big division at state, uh, I always knew when I'd hired the right person because they would come in and start asking a lot of questions that I mm. did not want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they were fantastic because they made me rethink everything. And either it, it made me more assured in my decision or it allowed me the freedom to say, you know what, let's look at that from a different angle. Mm-hmm. So it makes you a better leader. It gives you a better team and it gives you better stance if you're trying to be competitive. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I agree 100%. <clears throat> so I got a question for you. It wasn't on, on my list of questions, but I, you, you got me thinking about this one subject. <clears throat> and I don't know how to answer this question. <clears throat> and it's bothered me for a while. So I'll, I'll pose it to you because you've, you've dealt with a lot of leaders. You've, you've worked in big companies. So, you know, in my opinion or my my observation, the people that need the leadership training the most and the guidance the most and the mentors the most uh, or the internal board of directors the most, the ones that need that the most are the ones least likely to seek it out. Yes. <laughs> so so my question to you is, how do we reach those leaders that, um, that you know, that are, that, that are causing so much uh, of a problem in the workforce and so causing so much problem in companies and and uh, how do we reach those people that are because I think generally I, I when I work with leaders that are listening to podcasts they're reading books they're 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 really curious about the company I mean they're listening to their people I mean they're they're the they're rock stars right they're they're going places it's the ones that aren't doing any of that that seems to be the trouble and and as an author as a leadership author I'm like how do I reach the people, you know, it's like, I'm a doctor. How do I reach the people that are sick, right? I'm reaching the people that are well and want to get better, but how do I reach the people that really need it? So any insight on that? Because I yeah, really like it, to it's learn. It's so that you ask that because that's a lot of times why I'm engaged initially with a company. <laughs> I see. <laughs> We're having some leadership issues, you know, help right. us, you know. Right. And so I go in and I talk and I find out what's going on. <laughs> Again, um, typically with people that are like, that and and because I have been like that, I can relate, which is good. Mm-hmm. But I oftentimes am able to just surely by talking to them about the opportunity for success and growth and promotion. Sometimes that will get them out of what they're mm-hmm. doing and get them looking in a different direction. But also, leaders like facts and figures. And mm-hmm. so when I True. come in and I say, "Did you know that you know mentorship programs you know give you this much more success? And did you know that if you have an industry analyst around you, you get this much more chance of being you know competitive, whatever?" If I can show them that and weave that into some of the things then that they need to improve on, usually they're much more likely to start moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. Yeah. 
But you know, getting... oftentimes, oftentimes, um, like you say, the leaders are, they're good leaders. They're just not quite, they just don't quite have what they need because they need to have some input from other sources. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I learned it as an early leader. I thought I had to have all the answers, right? You right, know, like, I oh, do You're like, you're the leader, so you have to have all the answers. What I've yep. learned in 30 years of doing this is I, I need to have all the right questions, not necessarily the right answers. I need to ask and, and listen and get that feedback because you know, I believe the collective wisdom of a team is so much better than just the ideas of one manager, no matter how great they are. I think that, uh, you know, if you can tap into that knowledge, that, uh, that experience, that, uh, you know, different way of thinking of things, you can really elevate your, your organization to a much higher level than if you try to do it all yourself. And as a, especially as a founder of a business, that's a big problem, right? A lot of, a lot of businesses get founded by some guy with a, or, or a lady with a brilliant idea, but then they, they, they can't go beyond uh, themselves, right? They're, yeah. they're limited to themselves and they can't bring others around them to help them with the areas that they're weak on. And so they never really grow beyond that small company. And, and what you said just a moment ago about the importance of surrounding yourself with others, even Einstein, Einstein has so many great quotes. Mm. One of his quotes is, why keep any information up here when I can get to it, all of it out here? Mm. And if yeah. you surround yourself with all of it out here, then you don't have to be a one person show. You don't have to be the person who is the sitting on the mountaintop, uh, you know, the guru, right, the guru. everything all figured out. Yeah, right. Right. Now, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. I'm glad I realized that. Me too. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very it's very, um, I don't know. It's uh, if it, it's very a lot of relief when I realized I didn't have to have all the answers, right? And 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 that makes it a lot better as a leader. And another big part of that, and we haven't even talked about this yet, because a lot of leaders don't like to think about this, but um, the idea of succession. Mm, yes. You yeah, know, leaders yeah. love. We we all have big egos as leaders, and we want right. we're going to be around forever, but we're not. And right. even to the point where we might decide we might want to go somewhere else. Right. Right. Well, if we haven't been developing the people around us, then we leave a huge hole. Right. And that's right. not going to be good for the organization. So surrounding ourselves with people that can help fill in gaps is a great way to develop that succession plan. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I'm, I've got a new book coming out. It's called All in the Same Boat. And it reflects a little bit about the leadership experiences I had in the Navy as a, as a submarine officer and how I took that into business. But one of the things that was really unique about succession planning on, on a submarine is that every leader was only on that boat for three to four years. So that you had to develop successors. You had to keep developing people because everybody was rotating out. So uh, unlike, you know, um, you know, most companies where some, you know, bosses stay in a position for 20 years, right? We knew we had three to four years or two years in a certain role. And so you had to develop your replacement. You had to make sure that you were training the next generation. A captain was only going to serve for four years. There had to be a new captain coming up and there had to be a new executive officer. And so I think it was forced on us to do succession planning. So it's naturally in my DNA, but I, I didn't that. realize it until I reflected back on my time in the Navy. That That's why it's there because I'm only going to be in this job two to three years. So I, I need to make sure that, you know, uh, I have a uh, succession plan put in place, you know? One of, one of the very first uh, female leaders that I worked for said to me when she hired me on, if you're smart, you will only be here between two and four years. Mm, she goes, yeah. I can sense that you've got it in you to move on. She said, you'll get what you need and you'll move on. She said, make sure you've got somebody behind you 
yes. they can take over when you go. Yeah, yeah. And that's confidence too, right? Uh, it's it's confident people that will do that versus yeah. people that are lack confidence. It's 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 it, it's an ex- it's, it shows your confidence if you're willing to train up your successor. And if you're confident and you're you're confident in your career and your goals and where you want to be. Um, then you're you're going to go off and make sure you have someone that can do your job, so you can get to that next level if that's what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I've learned over the years that that honestly, I don't have the kind of competition that I thought I had early on. <laughs> that when I share my knowledge and it goes out into the world, it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. So I've had a lot of people that I have mentored now over the years and and knowing a lot of them, hiring them in and knowing these people are so good, they're really going to go places. Yeah, yeah. That's the sign, I think, of a good leader, being able yeah. to find good people and and helping them out at that moment and then setting them free to continue to develop and grow. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So um, let's talk a little bit about what you're working on now. I heard you say you're working on a book. What? Tell us about it. That's a good question. Yeah, so um, obviously I'm in the field of continuing and professional education and either as a speaker or as a trainer or as a consultant. And one of the things I noticed, especially I've run five different training centers in my life. um, I had good trainers and I had not so good trainers. Mm. I had people that were smart that couldn't necessarily communicate as well. I had people come in that say they had good experiences and people that had not so good experiences. And so I was really curious as to what made the magic, what what gives us the best possible training experience so that if I'm an organization and I'm willing to dedicate money to training my people, what what does the environment need to look like to give them what they need to have to help them learn and help them go back to work and kick it into play? What does that look like? And what I found is that there are, that was my research study for my dissertation. Um, there are six sets of expectations that all adults come into any type of environment where they might learn mm. uh, six sets of expectations that they can look for and, and want to achieve. And some of us come in with all six, that's probably me. <laughs> so some people have one or two or three, but uh, the astute person who's helping to, to cobble together the learning environment will keep all of those things in mind mm. and will look for ways to facilitate the experience so that it encompasses all of those different expectations. Mm, interesting. So that's, that's my book. Does it have a title yet? Um, not yet. <laughs> not yet. It's, it's funny because I've had a title and then my new book person that I told you I was working right, with. Right. Yeah, but I, she said, we're going to revisit that. She goes, we're going to revisit that. I, said, okay. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so having, having uh, written books, I know um, titles are you know, you start off with one thing that you think is brilliant, then you get down a while, and you're like, this is not it. This is yeah. not what I'm trying to do. So I started and, out with uh, six secrets that make corporate training great. But right. that, that was, yeah. But right. interestingly enough, um, let's see, I think this the data is two years old. Uh, corporate training two years ago was $160 billion a year. Wow. It's not a little tiny thing, you know. Right. And right. so if we're going to spend that kind of money, um, we want to make sure that people are becoming more relevant and more useful and they're more successful and they're yeah. taking on new tools. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important. And it's good to see that people are investing in their people. I mean, uh, that's Wonderful. that's that's really important and um, helping them grow, helping them develop and get to the next level, um, improve themselves. I think that's really powerful. You know, and, and those people are listening into the podcast and they're like, you know, I work for a company. Uh, there's a bunch of training. I'm not that interested in it, you know. Take advantage. I would say this is take advantage of, I mean, for me, I did 22 years in corporate America and I took advantage of every leadership and, and training program I could. And, and it's, 
it was free, right? I mean, so yeah. why not take advantage of it? So don't look at your training or mandatory training or suggested training as a, as a chore. Look at it as an opportunity to get better yourself and, and keep developing new uh, skill sets. And uh, that's how you become more valuable as, a, as a, an employee, as a leader, is, is having those experiences and those backgrounds. So don't, don't, um, don't roll your eyes when they say you got to go to uh, training, some sort of training. And if, you, if, you can, if you can play a game with yourself, too, um, <clears throat> we're told that human beings remember about three main things from every learning experience that they mm. encounter. And so if you're going into training, even if you don't think it's going to be that great, look for three nuggets. Tell yourself you have to come out with three nuggets. Right, you can't right. leave yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I think it's a really good thing. Three, just three things. And uh, three. yeah, and then you can you can turn you can turn off when you get to three, right? There you go. <laughs> Take that mental trip to the Bahamas, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> So how can people find out more about you and your company? So I have a website, as everybody does now, it's, um, <laughs> www.drhollyspeaks.com. And then my email is drhollyspeaks at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm happy to talk with anybody. Um, I, I appreciate, John, being able to come on your podcast. I think the more that we let companies know the importance of pouring, uh, investing into the learning of your, your employees, that only elevates your organization, you know, and yes. you're worth as yeah. a leader. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, you know, it's, we say employees are our greatest asset. Well, if you have assets, I'm a manufacturing guy, right? I have, I have uh, production machines and I, and I have to maintain them. I have to upgrade them. I have to, you know, upgrade the software. I have to keep them clean and, and, and running, running at the top notch. Why not? Why isn't that the same thing with people? If they're, exactly. they're your greatest asset, what are you doing to, uh, to, to make them better? You know? I think I'm going to use your quote. Do I owe you royalties? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so, that's well, that's great. So we'll we'll put the links uh, to your uh, to your website email. We'll put that in the show notes so everybody can get to it. And uh, I really appreciate Holly you being on the show and teaching us a little bit about this idea of an internal board of directors. I think everyone can take that away. It doesn't matter what position you're in in a company, whether you're a leader, whether you're a, um, maybe you're a manager of a section, maybe you're just an employee and you want to get better. Surround yourself with people that can help you get better. What are your goals? Like Holly said, what are your goals for the year? And what are the kind of people you have to surround yourself to get to those goals? Who are the people that can help you? Uh, and, you know, who are the people you can help as well? So it's, it's that it's, 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 it's all the, all the boats getting a chance to rise in the tide. So I think that's really powerful and it's a great lesson for every employee and every leader. Well, thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love 
about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. <laughs> 